5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. This is a free download. Listen on your music player. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com Welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 80. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. Wow, 80. That word, that number. Whoa. I know, and you said that it was kind of like stunning. Yeah, really. Yeah, it is. 80 sessions, Mikey. I know, and we're still going. Who'd have thunk it? Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. And we reached another country. Yes, we did. I love this one because this is not predominantly Christian. We are now heard in 47 countries. We have a new country added. It's Indonesia. All right. Indonesia. Welcome, Indonesia. Welcome. And you know, we have some missionaries that have come and given their testimony that have gone to some of these countries that Mm -hmm. we're now getting into. So I'm just thrilled, thrilled to death over that. All right. And Fritz, how was your week over there? Ah, I had a great week. And not only that, GSR really had a great week because um, we got a chance to help a family that was really in need. I, I don't know if you remember Miguel. Well, you guys do, but right. um, he was the, the one that was in the wheelchair and came and gave his testimony. And, well, his family was evicted from their house, and they needed a, some storage, and, and God was so gracious to... I mean, the GSR just had the funds where we could uh, do that for them, and we were able to pay for some movers to get them moved over. And they just really need some prayer right now because they're kind of in between places, places. to live, and, mm-hmm. and they're really struggling. And Yeah, he and his wife both are disabled in wheelchairs. So yes. That's a burden. Yes. So um, uh, just a, a kind word, a shout-out to Mike's Express for helping us out and moving them uh, for almost little or no cost. Yeah, if you need movers, they're in Claremont. Mike's Express, and we appreciate them. They're good brothers. So it's been a good week for for GSR. Didn't something happen to you Monday night? Oh. Oh. Wow. Yes, big time. Well, actually, yeah, it happened uh, for Aubrey through me, so it was really great. We were... You know, Aubrey got accepted to uh, Rollins College, and we needed $500 just to get the ball rolling for application fees and whatnot. And I, I told my daughter, I said, you know, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. It's what I always say. And uh, Monday night, uh, I was called up to a group of men, and they handed me a envelope with $500, said the Lord told them to take an offering and give it to me. Uh, didn't give them a reason, just told them I was the one they needed to give it to. Wow. And how much you needed for the uh, application fees? I think it was $500. And mind. how much did they give you? Uh, $500. Oh. Isn't thank, that amazing how that... Thank you, Father. <laughs> and thank each one of those people because, you know, God lays Being it on your obedient. heart. Being obedient, correct. And you, you get that nudge, and sometimes it's 
it's tough. And, but. and Aubrey was quite overwhelmed, I'm sure. She really, really was. And not only that, it was such a faith booster for that little girl. Oh, she Well, and she needed it, and God wanted her to see it, too. Amen. Absolutely. You better believe it. So, I had a great week. Suzanne Lynn uh, invited me to a concert. She said, you've had a really rough couple weeks here, you know, with going through all the testing with my four-year-old daughter and mm-hmm. stuff. And um, she said, how'd you like to go to a concert? Did you go to Third Day? I sure did. Oh, man, oh, man. Third, third day in Brandon Heath. It was uh, amazing. Yeah, I was thinking maybe today when we end out the session, um, if we don't know what song, I love Cry Out to Jesus by oh, Third yeah. Day. Love that song. Oh, yeah. Um, it was an amazing concert. My four-year-old went with me, which was interesting. <laughs> but what was so cool is at one point, this man in front of us raised his hand up to worship and my little four-year-old raised her hand up, and I wanted to cry. Oh, mm-hmm. Because that's the first time I've ever seen her do that, you know. And um, I was just thrilled. I was a thrilled mama to be there to see that. So Cool. Um, well, they learn by example. They do. They're sponges at that age. That's right. I wanted to show you guys this, too. They, you know, we were talking about getting the nudge sometimes. They had uh, Warren Barfield was there. And he was talking, he told us a story about how he sponsored a child in another country. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you can sponsor a child, we have a child for you. And so a, I was like hesitant. And this guy in front of me raised his hand. And I thought, $35 a month, that's a meal a month out. We, I think we can do that. And what kind of example am I setting for my daughter for this man to be on stage and say, these children need help. They don't have food to eat. And I don't raise my hand, you know? Mm -hmm. So I raised my hand and we went up, her and I went up together and we got Hamilton Arturo. All right. From Nicaragua. You got a picture there? I got a picture there. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. They have, it's called Feed the Hunger is the group. Feed the Hungry, Food for the Hungry. I'm sorry. I'll get it right. Food for the Hungry. And their number is 1-866-307-3259. Or you can check them out at www.fh.org. Maybe we can post that on the website, too. I'd love to post that picture. Yeah, and you know, I can even give updates because I'm going to send him letters. So you're sponsoring that child? I'm sponsoring that child, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. I'll get letters from him, and I'm going to need somebody to translate. (laughs) (laughs) It's Spanish. We we got plenty of Spanish. Oh, yeah. We got Melissa. some Spanish yeah. talkers around here. Sure we do. Sure. All right. Do you want to introduce our guests? Oh, I wanted to give a couple shout-outs real quick. We got some new likes on Facebook. Um, Jazir Ba and also Ibrahim Ba. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for, for liking, liking us. We really Facebook. appreciate yes. that. Thank you so much. And they can get a hold of us how? By uh, emailing us at godstoriesradio at gmail.com. Or and they can tweet us. Tweet us at God Story Radio or find us on Facebook. And um, that's how that leads me up to tonight's guest. Um, I had just posted on Google Plus, where we also are, um, that we were looking for testimonies. And I got an email. Wow. And this, I know. That's how God <laughs> I, does it. I put it out one time. This is our second or third Google Pluser. Yeah. And I don't post that much. I'm sorry to say I don't post a whole lot on there. But... Um, it, it 
God's just been bringing them on. So this guy, um, his name is Doug Adkins, and he is a speaker with the Christian Business Cruise that's um, coming up. It's called From Doubt to Shout, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about that. But um, I want to introduce you to our speaker tonight. His name is Doug Adkins. Thanks, Doug. Hey, Doug. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be on the radio with you guys. Thank you so much for your time. You know, not everybody says yes. Well, I'm always, I've got an interesting story to share, and I'm always happy to share it. Well, take it away, sir. Yes, we'd love to hear we'd it. We can't wait to hear it. Well, okay. Um, well, I, I, want to, I want to read you Psalm 13.1-2, which described me perfectly for many decades. Um, and the story is kind of dark, but it does have a happy ending, so just... Um, Deal with me through the story, and then you'll find out what the happy ending is when I get there, okay? We got Amen. valleys, brother. Amen. We got valleys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, so Psalm 13, 1-2 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? But keep that in mind as I'm telling my story. I first did ask when I was 13 years old. It set the tone for really wanting um, high-intensity stuff like, you know, like I found pot rather boring. Um, you know, I wanted high-intense experiences. I was always in trouble. I always um, was really you know, losing causes. Like I thought the IRA was fight, it was right and fighting for the British. It was all anti-Vietnam, and I was often in protest for anti-Vietnam when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15. In fact, I went to one in Boston. It's kind of a funny story. I got thrown in the back of a paddy wagon. I dressed like my mother. I was only 14, and my mother dressed me at the time. So I was dressed kind of formally, and I was in the back of a paddy wagon with all these um, hippies. And this big old cop came up, and he said to me, what are you doing here? And I put on the best show of my life, and he says, I was with my mommy. And he, and he dragged me out of the <laughs> um, paddy wagon and said, get out of here, kid. <laughs> I came in the and I ran my little tail off, and I can still hear those hippies cheering me on as I was running down Boston Common. At the time, I had no real opinion of God. You know, of course, everybody went to church in those days because that's what you did back in the 60s and 70s. But I didn't care about God one way or another. I was just sort of on there because I had to be because my parents wanted me, and they expected me there. So no real opinion at the time. Um, I went to four high schools in four years because, like I say, I was always getting in trouble. Once I went to a, a school for a rich rat troublemakers up in Maine called Maine Central Institute. And I had a roommate that was a really hardened kid, and I'm just a wimpy kid from the country. And we didn't get along. He was always taking advantage of me, trying to manipulate me, you know, we'd be throwing punches and stuff. And one day, we had a really major fight. I just didn't feel safe in the bed, in the dorm room with him, so I ran away. And ended up on the streets of Boston. And I just started living with the winos and stuff like that until I went into a couple... They, they kind of took me under their wing in a, in a funny way. Um, they were drug dealers, and I had to um, deal drugs for them on the streets in exchange for my um, room and board. But they took care of me. They didn't make me do drugs or anything like that, although I, I was still doing drugs with them when they gave it to me. My first experience was what I call the circle, and that's where um, junkies sit around in a corner sharing in a circle, sharing the same needle and spoon as it goes around in the circle. That was the first time I used intravenous drugs was, was at the time. But eventually, I came home, and I lived with my parents again, and all was well. I um, bought a motorcycle, and I did absolutely crazy stuff on that. I was Like I said, I was always intense stuff. But I just drove like an absolute maniac, but I never got in any accident, so I was pretty lucky with that. 
Then I went to college for a little while. And then I got um, arrested for uh, um, a felony. You know, I had many misdemeanors on me before, but this is my first felony. And the judge, he said, um, he gave me a choice. He said, you can do three to five in jail, or you can do two in the Army. Well, that's kind of like a no-brainer. I figured, um, you know, two years in the Army would be much better than three to five in jail. So, so I took advantage of that. And it was kind of ironic, really, because, you know, I here was, you know, in anti-Vietnam protests, and I yet I was drafted sort of into the Army. So it's kind of funny that the way that it worked out. But I, I did it, and I, the Army was like heaven to me. I needed the structure. I never had expected for authority until I um, got into the Army. And I really excelled at it. You know, I was in an artillery unit in Germany. You know, I was, I was promoted three times in less than a year. I got two letters of accommodation. It was a really tight unit. We was in what's called Fire Direction Center. Um, and that's where the, the group that tells the guns which way to point and how much power did they use and what kind of projectile. And it was really had a, had kind of a cushy job in Fire Direction Center, or FDC, because it was in the early days of the computers, like in the 70, early 70s. And the computers had to be, um, you know, evenly even temperature. So in the winter, you'd be in the track vehicle, all closed in, you know, nice warm heater, you know, hot coffee on the on the pot. While these poor guys were out on the can, out on the houses, freezing their buns off, you know, hauling these 200-pound projectiles. And then in the summer, we had air conditioning, and it was drinking coats in our little track vehicle while these poor guys out there getting heat stroke and stuff. So it was, we really wasn't liked by a lot of people because we had it so easy, but that's not the, just how it worked out, I guess, you know. I continued to shoot drugs while I was in the air. You know, I was in, you know, quite a few circles. I mean, one time one guy next to me OD'd, and um, that, was just, that was just it, you know. We, we didn't care. We just kept on doing our stuff. We just thought he passed out, but he actually he died. And all the time while I was over there, I kept thinking, well, geez, this is really great because I think I can make a good career out of this. Uh, but all the while, my, every time I talked to my father um, on the phone, he said, well, geez, Doug, we got a, a nice job at the family business for you, waiting for you when you get back home. You can't wait for you to get here. You know, I had new respect for authority, as I said, when I was a teenager, I just looked at him as my ticket out of jail, and that's all I cared about. But I had new respect for him, you know, being in the Army, and um, I decided to get out of the Army and join the, join the family business. Well, that's a good career in the Army for working there. And after the Army, I never shot up again, so that was the last time I ever used, um, you know, intravenous drugs. I did a lot of LSD and alcohol, and I discovered women that I had the pleasure of um, discovering when I was over in Germany, so I did, you know, I, and then one day, my father and uncle took me and my cousin out to dinner, and we thought, that, well, this is really great. This is going to be fun having dinner with our, with our dad. But what they actually told us was that they were selling the business. Then they, they gave us a real good reason, and we understood the reasons, and I'm not upset at all for the reasons that they that they gave us, because I understood them very well. But I was really angry because I lost a career in the, in the military, because I already had roots in Middleborough. I was building a house, and I couldn't well leave that to join the military. So the angry that I lost my career in the Army. It started a whole new year of drugs and sex for me. I was partying all the time, and I ended up getting a married woman pregnant. And so she had a little girl named Shauna, we had a little girl in China, but she stayed with her husband. I figured um, at the time I couldn't even love myself. How could I possibly love another person? It just wasn't in me. I was just too much into drugs and partying, and I just and I um, ended up staying here in Massachusetts. But I was always drinking and driving, and that's how it was. And one day I got introduced to a girl named Kathy, and she was way way different than the most. She um, she hardly drank at all. She didn't do any drugs. She didn't smoke. She was kind of quiet. 
she was really smart, way smarter than I would ever hope to be. And she was, she, we just get along famously. So we got married after we met, just six months after we met, we got married. And I, and she was able to straighten me out, which was good. But the thing I noticed that I had no memory left. I couldn't remember anything at all. It was just about everything I do. I need to have notes of a uh, of list of whatever in order to get things done. Just a couple of years, our son Justin was born. He was a preemie, and, and we was um, we, you know, he was like four pounds when we brought him home. But we one day we were traveling up to um the mountains in New Hampshire with some friends in separate cars. We was following following them along this highway called the Kingdom Angels Highway that went between the mountains. And my friend was driving like a maniac, so he left us in the dust. We was driving along, and then just all of a sudden, poof, our lights just went out just like that. And here we are in the middle of the night with no lights on a mountainous road with no guardrails, and just jacked on the brakes. And thankfully, I, we survived okay, and our friend eventually found us, and we went along on their way. But that was, that was just another little thing that kind of happened that was pretty scary. And, and all the time, I was getting to know Justin a little bit better, and I, I swore that I would never neglect him because my father, he didn't neglect me, but he was busy. He was always running his business. So we missed him a lot when he was kids. So I swore to myself that I would take, spend lots of time with Justin. Certainly I spent you know, an hour, two or three hours with him every day. And as I was getting to know how much I like enjoy being a father, I, you know, Kathy and I decided that we tried to find my daughter. So we started looking around and we, and we eventually, we found where she was living, her mother, and just as I found them, we discovered that she had just recently been murdered. And it was really, really brutal. It was, it was very gory. You know, the violence was on. Um, I started having nightmares. You know, I kept talking. You know, I had no, you know, we reconnected with the mother. You know, I got to know about Shauna very, very well. She was an amazing kid. But she wasn't a rat like me or a troublemaker. She was always dreamed of um, helping others for a profession. She was twice a volunteer of the year at a local hospital. She wanted to be a um, physical therapist to help, you know, injured people get better. Um, and then just the sheer violence that such a beautiful person had been butchered so badly, I really began to hate God at the time. Anything that mentioned God, I was really angry with. Um, but it, 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 it wore off after a while, you know. Um, I kind of got sort of better with the whole deal after a while. Then all of a sudden, I was driving through traffic one day. I can remember it just like it happened this morning. All of a sudden, it popped into my head that, Jesus, my fault that Shauna was murdered. And you might ask why, but if I'd been the man and, and been stood up as a father, she'd still be in Massachusetts, and therefore she'd never be in harm's way, and therefore it was my fault that she was murdered. And that hit me really hard. Um, I, you know, the, night, the nightmares came back ten times over. I started hallucinating. I tried suicide a couple times. I was hospitalized several times. I tried on several different drugs all the time. And Kathy stuck by me with everything. She taught me through my nightmares, um, my hallucinations, when I wanted to feel suicidal. She taught me through that. She was very good at talking and, and manipulating people, especially me. And then finally, after many, many years, I finally got over that, stopped blaming myself. And then she got sick. Uh, she has scoliosis. It's just the, the, curve, just, it's the curvature of the back of the spine. And the curve just getting, kept getting worse and worse. And eventually, it cut off her breathing, so she had to be hospitalized. They put a tube in her throat to breathe a tracheotomy. They had to put a food tube in her stomach. And they did the food tube wrong. It was, it was um, it leaked from the very first day. And so she, all the time she was in the hospital, and the stomach acid leaking in her, in her skin, and her skin was always being burned, and she was always in terrible pain. 
she came back and she died several times while she was in there. But eventually, like the last month or so before she finally died, she was in so much pain, she cried 24-7, that she could never sleep. She was just up all the time. She was just in, in an unimaginable misery. The, a couple days before she died, she mercilessly passed into a coma and she died peacefully. And at that, I hated God even more than I did before because he had been such a beautiful person. He saved me from all these things, all this, my nightmares and everything. So how could God let such an amazingly loving woman suffer so terribly badly? I just couldn't get a hold of it. All the time Kathy was sick, you know, I, was, uh, I stayed with her, you know, many hours a day, 14, 16, 18 hours a day. I was getting by on, you know, four to three or four, even five hours sleep a night. I was just devastated when she went. I had met a lot of wonderful people along the way. A lot of people were helping her a lot, and, and I met some really, truly wonderful people. And I didn't know this verse at the time. I kind of adopted this philosophy. Proverbs 15.1 says, the software turns away wrath. And I really um, lived by that. I had come to understand that, I come to believe that people shouldn't die alone because when Kathy was in the hospital, so many people with families abandoned them and they died alone. So I, after she died, I started doing hospice work. I also started working for the homeless because, of course, I'd been on the streets as a teenager. And um, I started mentoring criminal offenders because uh, the judges have given me many second chances and I um, others should get the second chances as well. So I started mentoring criminal offenders as well. And I was okay with Kathy's death because she had suffered so terribly. She had suffered so terribly. It was, it was her time. You know, she had died several times, and and she, she just suffered terribly, so I was just okay with her dying. Not perfectly okay. I was angry that she died, that I lost her. But, you know, I knew it was her time, so, so I was okay with that. So I started dating pretty soon after she passed away. And I met a girl named Terry on Match.com. I was looking for a widow, someone who I could share my experience with, and, and she fit the bill, and as soon as we met, we, we hit it off like, like best friends from, from day one. Once I got pneumonia um, really bad from a drug course I was on, I caught um, hepatitis C in the Army, so I had to go through this course of drugs to try to get rid of the hep C. And I caught pneumonia, and then I got kidney failure after that, and then I had septic shock after that, and I nearly died. I was in the intensive care for four days and in the hospital for, for 10. Then I got home, and Terry took care of me for the next month or so. And I just kind of fell in love with her. That's when I knew we was right for each other, and then we got married after that shortly. But the only thing is that you say you think that opposites attract, and this was certainly true with Terry and I. She was a, a devout Christian. She loved God. And here I was in a position that I was hating God. So you can imagine the, the con we didn't have any conversations about that because we didn't want to make any tensions between us. But I think she, she felt she could um, convert me. So so she uh, she stuck with me and, and we um and we and one day she suggested we go to church. And I rolled my eyes kinda of saying, Oh yeah, here we go. Um it's gonna be fun. So we got into church. Yeah. <laughs> and um they had this band that Christian rock band that plays you know, three or four or five Christian songs before the service. And then they have the, the, the pastor gives the daily lesson. And I was fuming when the music was playing because I was saying, you know, how can these people believe that that in such a loving God that they're talking about when all he allows is suffering and violence and all the terrorism and suicides of the world and the natural death disasters? I just didn't see how people could believe in that. It just was beyond me. But for some reason, I kept going on, 
kept going service after service, and I don't know why, I don't know why or when or how, but somehow it just sort of it came on very slowly, and I believe a loving God does actually exist. Um, there's no epiphany moment, no moment of brightness. I didn't say wake up one morning and say that a loving God exists. It just sort of came on very gradually. And eventually I started really loving the music and singing to the songs, and I really enjoyed that pastor's message every week. But the thing I had to say is, why did I survive? Why did God let me survive after all the things that I'd done, after how much I'd hated them? You know, all those drugs I could have OD'd on, drugs, all my crazy pranks on my motorcycle, I could have been killed. The day on the mountain I could have, I'm gone off the edge. I looked at all the drunk driving times, literally thousands of nights, and I drove home absolutely smashed, and I didn't even know where we was, let alone how we got home. And I survived all that, and then Kathy, driving home from Kathy, all those nights I'd been getting home by and such little sleep. Why did God keep me alive then? The pneumonia, the doctor said I probably would have died within a couple hours if I didn't call the hospital when I did. So why did God decide to keep me alive? It occurred to me that I really truly believe that Terry was God's gift to me. He was the one he was the one that brought me to God and I wouldn't be here today speaking if it wasn't uh, him introducing me to Terry. I think also I'm here to share my story. I think if people when people aren't sure of God's love, you know, you, you must know that he's always watching over you, no matter how bad Look for you. He's always there for you. And I'm kind of taking stories like my own too. I'm writing a book called From Hate to Love, and I'm looking for stories. So if I hear anybody that wants to say story shared, I'll be glad to write write this story for me. Um, so today I'm feeling more like like what it says in Philippians um, 2-3. It says, "Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but with humility of mind. But each one of you, we got to another one another as more important than himself." I really believe that, that it is treating others as well because things that started happening to me when I started treating others as well. And another thing, you know, treat your fellow man well. That's what I'm always saying. That's the theme of the cruise. But I'm also looking at Mark 12:30, where he says, two of the most important commandments are to love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, the, and obviously your fellow man is your neighbor. And that's my entire point. When things started happening to me and I began doing good stuff for others, other stuff, things started happening to me as well. So what this actually means is that if you do good for others, you know, if like you trust others, if you show compassion and kindness and loving your fellow man, things will get better for you, and that's that's basically my message. So, so the final thing I'd like to get, get across is, you know, you may work for God, but he's also working for you by promising you eternal life. So if you live with Christian values in your heart, you'll be rewarded. That's basically my message. Okay, thank you, Doug. Doug, I have to ask you, are you a wicked hardcore Pats fan? Oh, yeah, of course. I can of tell course. you a Pats joke if you want. I just, uh, I, once you started, I realized when you mentioned uh, up the Boston Commons, I realized that the 508 area code is Boston because I'm a 413 or it used to be a long 4013 area code. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, the other side of the state. Right, I'm from Springfield. Oh, cool, excellent. Uh, so you're a Pats fan, too? Oh, hardcore. Do you want to hear a good Pats joke? Yeah. Okay. Um, a reporter asked Coach Carroll, he says, so do you want to win the Super Bowl? And Coach Carroll says, no thanks, I think I'll pass. Oh. <laughs> Doug, I, I've heard a lot of testimonies, brother, but I'll tell you what, most definitely the father had 
has purpose for you. Absolutely. And, and I think you're living it out now by what he has you doing. Part of a verse comes to mind when he said to Paul, I'll, I'll uh, you know, for all that, I don't know why I think this, uh, especially for stuff that I've done, you know, as I was growing up, that uh, I'll show Paul how much he'll suffer for my name. What verse comes I, to mind? Right. You know, he's got you in hospice and and uh, he's writing a book. And, and so it, it's, uh, there's the reason why he's got you still going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I'm also working on a cruise, too. Um, Go so ahead. Do you mind if I talk about that for Go a minute? Go ahead, plug away. No, please tell us about it. Oh, okay. From... We're calling it From Doubt to Shout. And the, the website is, is from doubttoshout.com. I'm doing it with a couple other people. We think that the last frontier for Christianity is really the business world in the U.S. Because there's so many people that are Sunday Christians, and Mondays through Saturday they just don't bring God into their life at all. So we think that we can teach business people how to bring Christ to work so that they can pass on those values to their fellow employees. I'm speaking, I'm giving my testimony, and I'm saying how what I've learned along the way applies to business. And we have a speaker called Ron Barron. He spoke a lot on um, you know, on, on the national level, some very big venues, and he's going to talk about how to make more time in your schedule for, for God because, um, you know, business owners are notoriously busy. They'll do, um, you know, 60, 80 hours, 100 hours a week sometimes, and we're going to teach them how to get more time freed up so they can spend more time with God. Well, that, you're, that's basically you're... the idea. You know, we've got a Facebook page, you know, from Down to Show. If you want to like us, you know, we'd love to have you like us on Facebook. You know, we're on, on the cruise. If you're interested in the cruise, it's um, May 18th through the 22nd, and you can learn more about it on our website. All right. That's basically it. And okay. we can add a link to it, right? Yeah, we could add a link to it on our site. Okay. And as we were talking earlier, Oz Hillman is big on that. Uh, his uh, website, marketplaceleaders.org. Uh, okay. He's, uh, he's big on that as far as the marketplace and the workplace is where most of the people spend their time, and, and that's where the harvest is needed. Using your gifts for his oh, that's, mission. That's great. I'll definitely check him out. Amen. And there, there's no better way to minister to folks and but to get them captive on a boat miles out at sea. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't no escape, do they, huh? Yeah, they're going to fish or cut bait, they, aren't they? They can either gamble like sinners <laughs> or they can um, come listen to us talk. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they'll listen to us talk rather than gamble. That's right. You know what you're doing, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Wow, what a testimony. I'm glad you liked it. Yes. Well, I'm I mean, not glad that I went through it, mind you. <laughs> But I'm glad that you um, got something out of my testimony. I hope other people did, too. Yes. Well, you've been heard in uh, 47 countries now, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's somebody out there that needed to hear absolutely what you had to say, my friend. I thought it was... Well, if anyone has any stories they want to share with me, I'd be glad to um, include them in my book. I thought it was remarkable that I had said to you, uh, make sure you listen to session one and session four, and then I yeah. said, and, and listen to one session of your choice. I said, a really good one is um, Passion to Overcome, Janet Perez Eccles. I don't know what made me send that to you in the email. And then uh, you responded back in an email back to me. And you said, wow, when my daughter, Shauna, was murdered and stabbed 72 times, 
I did not handle it with as much grace as Janet Perez Eccles. And I said, what? And I just couldn't believe that the same, right. the, the same experience you had had was the same testimony that I had referred you to, Correct. not even knowing your yeah. background. Right. That was just amazing yeah. to me. Father yeah, set up. Yeah, that's amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. God knows what were he's you, doing. Were you kind of taken aback, like, what? How'd she know? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very interesting that you referred me to that testimony. Yeah, I don't, it just, usually I just say I'm one of your choice, but for some reason God laid it on my heart to tell you to listen to that specific testimony, so that was really amazing. We know the reason, Trish. <laughs> We're not surprised at things that happen around here now. No, not at all. Just amazing. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you, Doug. It was my pleasure. If you got any questions for Doug and um, you forget what his website is, you can always drop us a line at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail, and we can get questions to him. Or uh, One more time, Doug, if you'll give the website how they can get information on the cruise. Okay, the website is from DoubtToShout.com. As if, you know, you started with a doubt about Jesus and God, and then you ended up shouting your praise for him. So, like, from DoubtToShout.com. And you can get information on the website, you know, how to sign up for the cruise, and it tells you all about who the speakers are, what the agenda is, and where we'll be going, what the dates are, how much it costs, and everything related to the cruise. Cruising, that's my favoriteest thing. Fantastic. <laughs> From awesome. doubt to shout. I know, and it's all Christians uh, and businesses. and Yeah, you can sign up tonight if you want. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you a discount. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know me, wheeling and dealing. I was going to ask for one, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I feel like GSR will, will be privy to something like this one day that will bit to maybe go and participate in something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron, um, his business is organizing specialty cruises. He does them for Christians. He does them for, like, muscular dystrophy and Alzheimer's and stuff. So if you wanted to organize a cruise for you, he would, he would be glad to do it. Oh, that sounds oh, good. Wow. We could have a God okay. Stories radio cruise. Yeah. We could have people giving testimonies like every night instead of yeah, having, cool. you know, they have the stand-up comedians and stuff. Right. We could have like real live testimonies given right there on stage. Yeah. I'm sure awesome. Doug would, uh, wouldn't mind taking a free cruise and giving his testimony again. No, I can handle that. He's suffering for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was session 80. Session 80. Thank you so much again, Doug. And that is from doubttoshout.com. And you can get information on Doug. You can get information. You can sign up for the cruise. You can go shake his hand and meet him personally and say, hey, I heard your testimony on God Stories Radio. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Amen. So, well, that about wraps it up for Session 80. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. To everyone who's lost someone they love Long before it was their time You feel like the days you had were not enough When you said goodbye And to all other people with burdens and pains Keeping you back from your life You believe that there's nothing and there is no one 
can make it right And there is hope for the helpless Rest for the weary And love for the broken heart And there is grace and forgiveness Mercy and healing He'll meet you wherever you are Cry out to Jesus And cry Tonight There is 